Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. It is another Saturday morning here in Wichita, Kansas. Good morning to you. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Ready to rock and roll for another Saturday, baby. As we are the middle of the way through September. Can you believe it? (laughs) We are almost through Kansas State Fair time. We are three weeks into high school football. We are weeks away from Halloween in the kickoff of the trifecta holidays. We are just less than two short months away from election season of 2022. This year is flying by way too fast. Slow down a little bit, baby. Welcome in. We got a lot to get to today. Boy, we have a heck of a show lined up for you. Bottom of the hour, Renee Erickson, state senator, district number 30 here in the Wichita area. She is also the Senate assistant majority leader. We'll chat with her at the bottom of the hour, talk about the campaign, also what's going on in the legislature, getting geared up for the 2023 session. Top of hour number two, Ben Davis. He's the campaign manager for Ryan Beatty, who's running for Sedgwick County Commission against Lacey Cruz. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about breaking down the shenanigans, the corruption, the craziness from Lacey Cruz and the delusional world that she apparently lives in. So we'll break that down and talk about (laughs) at least that she's been up to. Also to wrap up the show today, Brenda Landwehr, state representative. It's been a while since we've had her on the show as well. She'll join to wrap up the show at 1030. So three wonderful guests getting all set for election season because that's just what we do here on this program, which means the first half hour is all open up lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the show, I would love to hear from you. And not only just politics, but I'd also love to hear, have you gone up to the state fair? Have you been checking out some of the high school football? Are you ready for the election? There's a lot of things to cover. Here in the city as well, there's things to talk about that the city will get... Uh, um, uh, we'll get some city council members back on the program again here. Brian Fry and some other ones. Uh, we usually haven't talked a whole lot other than Brian Fry. So we'll get Brian back on the show, but I want to try and extend, expand out and get some more. I doubt the mayor will come on this program. Worth a shot. We'll try, but uh, <laughs> I highly doubt. Kind of like the governor. I highly doubt that they'll come on the program. I've extended the offer. I have reached out. I have tried unsuccessfully, but the offer still stands. I can call in at any any time, both with the mayor, Brandon Whipple, along with the governor uh, of the state of Kansas. Also, Jerry Moran. I mean, you're open as well to come on the program and chat, brother. Always happy to have you on. But uh, we have a lot to talk about with the city. As they've been passing some interesting stuff, I believe Brian Fry was the only one that voted against this latest ordinance out of the city that would decriminalize the possession of small amounts of marijuana, also would decriminalize fentanyl testing kits is not a drug paraphernalia. I want to talk about that here in just a second and get your thoughts on it. Brian Fry, the only one voting against it, I, I find it interesting. I get where they're coming from to a degree. At the same time, the whole fentanyl stripping thing is just very strange to me, and I don't know why that was part of that one. Plus, we have some other is issues on the campaign trails for a lot of the candidates on what's going on statewide, and uh, we'll bring all that to you. Also today, I do want to bring this up right at the beginning of the program, so that way you can just absorb it throughout the day. Today is also Constitution Day here in the nation. 
That should be something you'd be proud of. So happy Constitution Day to you, as that was uh, something to actually remember the Constitution. Maybe people in Washington, D.C. will start remembering what the Constitution's all about. I don't know. Throwing that out there. So lots to talk about, obviously, today and then with all our guests that we'll have on the program. But I want to start with this issue here at the state or at the citywide level, as there was a headline from the Wichita Eagle just yesterday, I believe, where there was a massive bust of wholesale fentanyl dealers. Three individuals, after a tip, anonymous tip was led to law enforcement to bust three fentanyl wholesale dealers where they collected over 1000 pills, according to Wichita police spokesperson. That's good news. We have busted bad guys with fentanyl. Now, fentanyl is apparently the bad stuff on the streets right now. It used to be, you know, the cocaine. Now I think that's maybe laced with it. It's not the heroin any law anymore, although I think maybe fentanyl's laced with it. I don't know. And then the fentanyl pills, because if someone just takes a pill, whether they think it's something and then it's not really, and the fentanyl is a bad deal. Glad we're getting it off the streets, over 1,000 pills, and getting some of these dealers off the streets after that tip. So thank you. First and foremost, whoever tipped off law enforcement to be able to do that bust, thank you for that tip and getting these individuals off the streets. Now, when it comes to drugs, and we've had this conversation quite a bit on this program, legalizing, not legalizing, different uh, different drugs, different things, uh, we are, we have to admit it, as Kansas, we are one of the last holdouts that has not decriminalized or legalized in some way, shape, or form marijuana as Kansas. And there's a lot that want to hold out on that. I think that at some point it's going to become irrelevant to try and hold out because it's literally in every state around us. With Nebraska and Oklahoma and Colorado and Missouri, we're literally surrounded. And at some point, we're going to have to come to the acceptance and conclusion that marijuana will be in Kansas because it is in every state around us. There is no holding out, and you're not going to be able, unless you just literally monitor and do a search of every vehicle coming in from every street from every state around us, it's going to be irrelevant to try and do this. So I get what the city council was trying to do with decriminalizing small amounts of marijuana. That's how it started in Colorado. As the very first state, the city of Denver had to be the first one to decriminalize marijuana. And then it just kind of snowballed from there because once one law enforcement agency stopped enforcing it, then the other ones kind of had to. And they had to find some con- uh, consistency within their law enforcement enforcement. Because uh, when it first started in Colorado, if you got pulled over by Denver City Police, then you wouldn't get uh, in trouble. If you got busted by Colorado State Patrol, then you would go to jail still. And it was kind of weird. So they finally started opening it up, and it was just opened up the floodgates to where it was impossible to try and regulate and enforce. That's not the conversation I necessarily want to go down today, though. Because I understand wanting to decriminalize marijuana. Does it complicate things here in the state? Yes. Does it really open up that Pandora's box to start legalizing it elsewhere? Yes. And whether you agree with it or disagree with it, I'm not really focused on that particular portion of it, although we can have that conversation if you'd like. What I think that was the kind of the odd piece of this bill and why Brian Fry voted against it, and I thank him for voting against this bill because it's very strange. Obviously, Brandon Whipple has his own political agenda. He's got his own thing of you know saying that he was able, kind of like a Joe Biden, he's able to do something going into election season. And I was able to decriminalize. 
and I get it with the way that the court system is right now, still pl- trying to play catch up with the COVID-19 pandemic and the backlogs with so many individuals in our jails and with such a short staffing of our jails right now within the county, it's time to prioritize what is a criminal and what is not a criminal. And yes, if you have a small amount of marijuana, I get it. Do we need to be throwing you in jail? No, we don't need to be throwing you in jail. Give you a fine, give you a citation, a little slap on the wrist. Don't do that again and move on. I totally understand that. The odd part about this bill is the fentanyl testing kits. Why would we be, quote-unquote, decriminalizing that is a non-drug paraphernalia as a fentanyl testing kit? After we just did a bust of over 1,000 fentanyl pills and three major dealers in the Wichita area, why would we start decriminalizing issues with fentanyl? Now, Andy, we want to make sure that people are healthy and that they can actually test for fentanyl to make sure that they're actually not getting anything that's going to be dangerous to them. Cool. But at the same time, why do they have something that sh- that could potentially have fentanyl in the first place? We kind of want them to second guess, don't we? If an individual is trying to buy drugs on the street and they're not sure whether it's laced with fentanyl or not to harm them or kill them, then don't you think that not having or having a harder time getting fentanyl testing kits would kind of make them second guess? Hey, maybe I should second guess or question whether I want to take these drugs or not just because there's the potential of having it laced with fentanyl and the fentanyl could kill me. I mean, I want people to be safe. Everybody wants everyone to be safe. That's a little strange to me. And maybe it's, uh, according to the other side, it's going to be heartless and it's going to be evil and how dare you even think of it that way. But for us, I don't under, first off, I don't know why it's considered drug paraphernalia in the first place. That's a little strange for a testing kit. But why should anyone even need a fentanyl drug testing kit unless you're in the business of doing drugs or dealing drugs and you're trying to test it from your supplier? To me, that's just kind of strange. According to Fox News, this made national news with Fox News as the Wichita City Council Tuesday earlier this week voted to decriminalize the possession of small amounts of marijuana and the fentanyl testing strips in the state's largest city. The move would eliminate between 750 to 800 prosecutions a year from the municipal court as marijuana possession is still illegal under state and federal law, but the local law enforcement agencies generally bring the minor marijuana possession cases to court and they would no longer have to do so as well. According to KWCH News, the Cedric County Commission addressed the issue as well uh, as they talked about the burdens on the jail, and they wanted the action on marijuana. Uh, the district attorney said in his office with Mark Bennett, it's, it is not in the position to absorb 750 cases in that city. Uh, it said it takes on annual rate of marijuana violations. Uh, he says that if the person is charged, the next step is court, and many of the cases are misdemeanors for small amounts of marijuana. And there's also the issue of double jeopardy. Your thoughts on this? 316-721-8255. I find it interesting that we're trying to decriminalize marijuana. Obviously, it's been a move from the left side of the aisle for a while, which, it, I mean, honestly, Republicans, we kind of need to get on board in some way, shape, or form here soon. And as the stronghold in the state legislature, I know we worked on a bill in the House. That's a good first step. The Senate needs to start taking this up. We'll ask Renee Erickson about that a little bit when we talk with her. But we need to get on board because we will see more of these cases because we are surrounded as a state from marijuana. But your thoughts on the fentanyl testing strips, does that need to be removed from the drug paraphernalia ordinance? Or do you think that, well, maybe it should stay on there because, well, why the hell do you have one in the first place? Because do you really need a fentanyl testing strip unless there's a reason for you to be testing for fentanyl, in which case that should bring up a lot of red flags 
in the first place. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. That's how we start off the program today. As we mentioned, we got a lot of election issues to talk about. We have three candidates, or at least three different campaigns on the show today. So we'll cover all those, plus the latest on what's going on with the rest of the candidates going on statewide. It's Kansas Talk. A lot of things to get to here on a Saturday, trying to start off your weekend the right way. Also... We'll get some updates from the Kansas State Fair, talk about what's going on there, some high school football stuff, as there's a lot of things going on for the fall in the community as well. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Two minutes past the hour here on Kansas Talk. Welcome back into it here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Brought to you in part by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. With all your gold and silver needs, obviously that's a tough industry right now because it's very difficult to get any gold or silver. But this guy, Phil Martinez and Phil's Coins, the entire staff and team over there, they have been working hard. They've been preparing, and they are the only ones not really just in the city or in the county or really even the state, or really even the Mid-America region, uh, they're about the only ones that actually have it in stock. So if you're looking to get your tangible, like walk in and walk out with the actual silver in hand, they're about the only place you can get it. 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up in about 10 minutes right now until 2, uh, 2.30 this afternoon. You can also find them online at philscoins.com. Proud sponsor here on KQAM and here on Kansas Talk as well. Your thoughts. So the fentanyl issue, obviously, look, there's a difference between trying to keep individuals safe from a extremely deadly drug and then what we had with the war on drugs right i mean at least in my opinion there's a vast difference between the two the war on drugs failed miserably and while i'm not all about just legalizing everything under the sun for individuals to just go crazy with it i do see specific reasons for certain things marijuana there is a medical side to it there is also a spiritual side to it uh even if you go a little bit further with those i mean you can break down and the the argument from Those that are advocates to try and legalize this stuff is really, well, you know, alcohol is a drug. Smoking cigarettes is a drug. Eating, you know, really bad food with all the chemicals in it is a drug. I mean, you could really break down coffee is a drug. You could break down all this stuff and try and and break down the science of it. I get it. I get it. And that conversation's been had, and I understand a lot of those arguments. We're not talking about the war on drugs right now. Fentanyl, however, is such a crazy, dangerous thing. I don't even know what it's supposed to do. To be a drug, like, do people actually take just, and again, I guess I don't know much about fentanyl. We need to get someone from uh, Wichita Police on, which uh, I know we know a lot. We just need to get them on the program to talk about this. I don't understand the purpose of fentanyl. So is it an actual drug that they're taking to get high from? Or is it just a filler for the drug dealers to use so they're not using all of their supply and just lacing the other drugs with it and it's becoming so dangerous that it's killing people if you take it in high dose. I don't understand quite the issue, you know, where fentanyl lies within that range. What I do know is that it's probably the most dangerous thing out there and it's killing people. And this isn't some like PR stunt to where they're like, oh, you know, like LSD and magic mushrooms are killing people. No, you know, there's a there's a benefit to those as well when it's done under a controlled setting. I understand that. Does it need to be legalized for everybody to be running around in the middle of the street high on mushrooms? No, but there's a purpose for them. And I understand those under controlled settings. Again, 
Fentanyl's not one of those things. And we need to crack down on it. In trying to decriminalize the fentanyl drug testing kits or the strips or whatever they use on there, I don't understand that move by the Wichita City Council except for it when it falls under the category of a left-wing progressive mayor like Brandon Whipple who's trying to make a political stunt going into an election season for next year because he's desperate to try and keep a hold of his position when he's really been an ideologue at a local level. And for those that know anything about politics, trying to be a purist ideologue on a philosophy at a local level does not work very well. <laughs> You're not supposed to be. If you want to be an ideologue, then go up to the state legislature or go to Washington, D.C. Being an ideologue does not work in local politics when you're dealing with zoning laws, when you're dealing with people's water rights, when you're dealing with people's private property issues and property taxes, when you're dealing with local legislation like this, you cannot be an ideologue. Strict purist philosophies do not work at local levels, and I think Brandon Whipple's starting to realize that, but yet he continues to ram it through. The other one, obviously, that's running down her purist ideologue uh, mentality is the Lacey Cruz, who was hailed by the Democrat Party uh, here in the local area as being the next AOC and Wichita and Kansas's local AOC, the crazy left, radical left-wing socialist progressive that's going to take over and change the community. Is that's what, <laughs> that's what they were trying to say? See how well that backfired on her as well as uh, she has uh, been in a self-destruct mode lately. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two in just a little bit. But uh, Brandon Whipple, who was a state legislator, came down to the city. Those are questionable reasons on why he did that in the first place. Those are more of the personal shots that I'm not going to go into. But he ran for city mayor here, obviously. And now he's trying to run as an ideologue here in the Wichita area. So that's why... We're seeing the decriminalization of something like a fentanyl drug testing strip when we shouldn't have fentanyl at all. And in fact, we just saw law enforcement do a massive bust of big dealers here in the Wichita area that I think is a big sign that we have a serious issue going on. Now, I guess the only reason someone could have a drug, a fentanyl drug testing strip, I guess, would be to try and if they're testing it to try and trace the dealers to be able to bust them. But I don't know why the general public needs that. Uh, it all in the first place. 316-721-8255. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that one. At the same time, a lot of the individuals that are being affected by it are the younger generation right now. And the younger generation is starting to do some life changes for the better, I would say. As they're starting to shake up the establishment, shake up the system and kind of do their own thing. And I give you props and I give you kudos because go for it, baby. Change it up and uh, crash the system uh, to some degree as a lot of them are starting to not enroll in the public education system. And I'm not talking K through 12, I'm talking higher education as enrollment continues to drop. The headline from the Topeka Capital Journal, revenue at Emporia State is leading to a university restructure as fall enrollment continues to decline. After COVID-19, a lot of these students who, God forbid if they're on any of these drugs, but they're not wanting to go to college. They're realizing that they could do stuff from online, they could do stuff from trade schools, they could do stuff by getting right into the workforce, actually help out with the job shortage that we have right now or the labor shortage with uh, a lot of the entry-level positions getting your teeth cut a little bit and getting into the industry to gain some of that world experience and i say good for them and that forces the universities to do a bit of a restructuring which nothing against emporia state this is just happening to every university out there it's time to restructure it's time to maybe cut some of those budgets it's time to maybe shut down some of those agencies and departments it's time for you to realize that you don't have to maintain those massive amounts of money coming in 
and expanding to different departments when no one's using it. Just because you're a college university that feels like you can have a multi-billion dollar industry. I think things are changing, and I'm okay with that. Lots come up right around the corner. Renee Erickson, bottom of the hour, uh, state senator. We'll talk with her about the legislature. We'll talk about the uh, campaign. We'll talk about things going on here in the state and a heck of a lot more right here on Candace Talk. Stay right here. Wichita's number one in talk radio. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into the program. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today, Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for another weekend, baby. It is, I hope, I really hope the last weekend that we're going to see in 90-degree weather. It has been a brutal one. You know me, man. I am about as Irish, Scandinavian, northern as I can possibly get. I glow in the dark in the middle of the night for crying out loud. And this triple-digit weather, man, is just killing me. I am ready for the wintertime when it's 20 degrees outside every day and I can go outside in my shorts and I can meditate and just enjoy and just enjoy the cool weather so let's at least get let's just do a steer step down here let's get down to about the 70s and then i'll be happy and we'll just work from there welcome back into the show candace talk here on kqm brought to you in part by napoleon appliance repair a new partner here on candace talk from just a couple of weeks ago we love these guys to death and uh, they've partnered up with us here as well give them a call at 316-409-1525 it's Napoleon Appliance Repair. You have any appliances in your home acting up, especially with your refrigeration, maybe your refrigerator or your freezer or some issues there. Those guys specialize in that stuff. They can help you out, and they can check you out anywhere within the South Central Kansas area here. You can find them on their Facebook page at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC on Facebook and give them a call at 316-409-1525. It's Napoleon Appliance Repair, proud partner here on KQAM and on at Kansas Talk. All right, I don't want to waste any time. Let's get into our election coverage. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. We're going to cover a lot of stuff with her, but not just the elections, but I'm excited to have on the program because it's been too long since we've chatted with her from District Number 30. Excited to have on State Senator Renee Erickson. Renee, how are you today? I'm great. Good morning, Andy, and happy Constitution Day. Happy Constitution Day to you as well. It's another one. Do you think that maybe being Constitution Day uh, may be a good reminder for those in Washington, D.C. about, you know, maybe government limitations and that sort of thing? Because they don't seem to get that grip a whole lot. (laughs) I hope they take it to heart. And, and, uh, you know, our founding fathers knew exactly what they were doing. and, And the Constitution still is as relevant and important today as it ever has been. Amen to that. We always say on the show, and I know that you agree with this, is that while technology changes, while the times change, while while things change just in society, the foundation of what the Constitution is, the principles of it, we don't have to create new laws, essentially, to address them. We just need to apply the philosophies of the old laws to relate to what we're doing now, and then they never fall. They never fail. We can still have our conservative principles without having to write a whole bunch of new laws for a quote-unquote living document. I couldn't agree more, Andy. Absolutely. The, the foundation of the principles that the, the founders gave to us 
that's what we build on. And while we might adapt and change as to how we address those, those principles stay the same, and we need to respect that or else our country will not be what it has been and what our children and grandchildren deserve. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, I know that you have been helping out with a lot of different campaigns on the campaign to a lot of state representatives here in the Wichita area, helping out, obviously, with some of the state races. From the boots on the ground, from you helping out doing stuff, how are things looking right now, knocking on doors, talking to people? Are we optimistic going into election season? You know, Andy, we're, we're very optimistic. Our candidates, however, are not taking anything for granted. They're out there working hard, but um, we, in the House, we hope to gain at least two to four seats. But more important than the number, I think, is the makeup of those seats. Mm-hmm. We are very excited that we will move um, noticeably more conservative. So, yes, we should increase a little bit, but the makeup will be more conservative, which will really help us be stronger in the upcoming session. That is good news because it seems like here in Kansas we have been our own worst enemy, haven't we? We passed some really good legislation, but then when it comes to knowing we need to override a governor's veto, we fall short of one or two or three or five different votes in the House of Representatives or a couple in the in the state Senate. It's been frustrating because while we have overall some good ideas, many within our own party have been the ones kind of obstructing our own agenda lately in the last few years, and it's been a bit frustrating. Yeah, and those people have either lost last time around or in the primary this year, and so that's why I say a lot of those folks are gone that did not vote with us and do the right thing as Republicans. They're gone, and so we do have more conservative candidates. We're optimistic we'll get those elected. And most importantly, Andy, if all goes well, we shouldn't have to override a veto because we'll have Derek Schmidt as governor. That would be the hope. Speaking of Derek Schmidt, I I saw you briefly up at the Kansas State Fair last weekend. I wasn't able to make it to the debate because it was happening as we were wrapping up this program and didn't get up in time. But your thoughts, I'm assuming you were there to watch the debate. How did the debate go? I heard that there was some good rallying and cheering from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, that's always a fun event. You know, I don't know how many minds it changes, but it's a good chance to get out, get the candidates up on stage, let the people, their supporters have a say and, you know, cheer and everything. I thought Derek did a fantastic job. He's pointing out the failures of the Kelly administration. Of course, their supporters felt like, you know, she won. Um, I will say I found it a little interesting that she had to stand on a suitcase at the podium. Um, that was an interesting optic, but um Overall, you know, I think Derek won, and I'm sure her supporters would say that she won, but um, it's a great start to the debate season, and I'm looking forward to more. I am looking forward to more debates for sure. What I found quite interesting from some of it that I have heard about is that Governor Kelly has been campaigning on defending her record in her decision-making during the COVID-19 pandemic, which blows my mind as she was obviously the first one to cancel the schools during the pandemic, but the mask mandates and then the attempted vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and the just the brutal assault on individuals in private industry throughout the entire pandemic. And then she's out here on the campaign trail thinking that that was still a good idea and she's defending it, which I guess she has to because it's her record, but Man, that's a that's a bold stance to take, I guess, for the campaign season when people are still angry about trying to get their business up and going again. Well, Kansans aren't going to forget what happened. She shut down schools and she touts herself as the education governor. No governor has done more harm academically and mentally to our students in such a short amount of time as Laura Kelly. And then she's out there saying she's the education governor. She shut down businesses and did more harm to our economy, yet she's out there touting her economic development record. 
she's saying the exact thing that her record proves. And people aren't going to forget. We're not going to let them forget that she shut down churches, she shut down schools and kept abortion clinics open. And that is so counter to Kansas values. And we're going to keep reminding the voters every chance we get. She's not middle of the road. She doesn't work across the aisle. But we know that that's how she has to run because it's campaign season. Do you think the whole campaign, the, the attack ads of relating Derek Schmidt to Brownback is going to wor- actually work? I mean, I know people hated Brownback back in the day. I mean, that was the name that the Democrats just loved to use and tried to slander and just smear with their tactics. But at the same time, it's been over four years now. And just like George W. Bush, the Democrats, while they hated him back in the day, they don't have that as much vile hatred towards him any longer. Brownback's old news. Why are we dragging him back into the conversation? Is that all she has against Derek Schmidt? Well, I think they're desperate. Um, you know, how long are they going to invoke the Brownback name? I think Kansans have moved on. But what else can they run on, Andy? Yeah. They can't run on the economy. We have over 8% inflation. Laura Kelly supports those same policies that have gotten us to this point. They shut down the economy. They forced um, unconstitutional health mandates on people. And, and what else can she run on but trying to disparage Derek and tie him to an unpopular governor that hasn't been around for many years? So it, it just shows their desperation. I don't think it'll work. I think Kansans are much smarter than that. And they want to look to the future, not to the past. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Renee Erickson, state senator from District Number 30, also Senate Assistant Majority Leader. Let's shift gears a little bit to the legislative session coming up for 2023. I know you guys are already gearing up and starting to talk about what the agenda could be. Uh, I know you've worked on a lot of bills, especially the women's sports and women, uh, girls in sports bill. Is that going to come back up this year? And are we optimistic? Uh, If we have, hopefully we have a Republican governor that could actually pass this year without, uh, again, Republicans obstructing us with a governor's veto. Wouldn't that be awesome? Our girls deserve that. But, yeah, Andy, I'm very excited about the possibilities for the upcoming session. Um, Hopefully Derek will be in the governor's mansion, and he'll be able to sign these. He's already committed to signing Fairness in Women's Sports and the Parents' Bill of Rights as soon as we get them on his desk. We'll be able to open up the, the bills that Laura Kelly has vetoed that are good for Kansans and that they deserve. However, even if Laura Kelly, um, God forbid, is reelected with our stronger conservative majority in the House and with the Senate, um, I think we'll be able to even override more of our vetoes than we have in the past. So we're ready for the fight. We're going to keep fighting on the abortion issue. We were very disappointed about uh, values in both and its, its outcome. However, we're not just going to settle that Kansas is going to be the late-term abortion destination. We're not going to settle for that. We're going to keep fighting for life. We're going to fight for tax reform. Our taxes are way too high, and with inflation, it's crushing people economically. Yeah. And so we're going to do some education reform to try to repair and boost parents and, and students to where they should be despite her shutdowns. And so we've got an aggressive agenda. We are going to hit the ground running. And so I can promise you we're going to be working hard to get Kansas back on track. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm glad you brought up the abortion bill. Obviously, after that devastating vote on the on the value them both bill, which did not go the way I expected. I figured it would be almost that margin, but on the other side. So it was a bit of a shock to me when that one came out the way it did. What as a legislature can you do? Because my concern now is now that we have reconfirmed, according to the votes in that bill, that the Supreme Court is able to decide that the 
abortion issue is a constitutionally protected bill and upholding that decision from them with this vote. Does that mean that every restriction that we have in the state is on the table for them to challenge in court and start removing because it is a constantly excuse me, constitutionally protected uh, right, quote unquote, what as a legislature can we do to try and stop that from happening and try and put some basic restrictions on it? You know, Andy, that's the sad thing, because that's exactly what Values in Both was about. And the, the mischaracterization of what it did was appalling to me. It's appalling that we even have to say that there's a constitutional right in our Kansas Constitution to abortion. But nevertheless, um, there are some things that we are going to do. We're going to try. Um, we'll send some some things up to the Supreme Court and see what they say. And those are the conversations that are going on. What can we do? Because I can promise you we're not just going to roll over and accept, accept it. We are going to keep fighting to protect those innocent babies. Um, but this is far from over. And so I just want to encourage people that even though that particular measure went down, You've got pro-life legislators that aren't going to sit idly by and give up. We're going to keep fighting. Yeah, well, yeah, you're absolutely right. The fight's not over. You guys are solid on it. We have Kansans for Life that's still a solid organization that's rocking it and trying to promote that issue. So it'll continue. We just uh, kind of took a hit there and a little bit of a step back. Last question before we let you go, but on the marijuana issue, we were talking about the decriminalization of marijuana here at the city level after their vote earlier this week uh, where they tried to decriminalize that. Also with the fentanyl strips uh, and testing strips, don't quite understand that one. Uh, but on the marijuana side, last session, or was it two sessions ago? I can't remember now. The House ended up passing their mar- marijuana bill and put it into the Senate side. Is that something that, if you heard, is that top of discussion to address this year? And could we see movement on the marijuana issue? Great question. I enjoyed your previous segment and that discussion on that, Andy. But couple of thoughts. First of all, I think it's very interesting in keeping with Democrat values that they, if they don't like a law, they just ignore it, which is what <laughs> exactly what the city council did, which, um, okay, well, we can talk about that later. But as far as what's going on at the state level, the talk has centered primarily around medical marijuana. On the fentanyl strip issue, yes, that was discussed um, at the state level last year. My question and my concern with that is, why would we enable illegal drug use? Right. Uh, that does not make sense to me. Now, the medical marijuana discussion, I can tell you, I expect that to come back up. I do not think Kansans want, nor is there appetite in the legislature to address recreational marijuana. So um, that's going to be a discussion going forward. We know it's an issue that a lot of Kansans feel passionately about. We will explore those, but there is not the appetite for recreational. I think the fentanyl strips will be Uh, A very interesting discussion, but my position is I don't think we should enable illegal drug behavior. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I don't understand, like we mentioned before, and like you just said, why we would um, remove fentanyl testing strips from the drug paraphernalia. Okay, is it really a drug paraphernalia? No, not necessarily. But why would we decriminalize that unless you have a purpose to be testing for fentanyl, which means you're involved in some sort of drug anyways, and that just to me doesn't make any sense uh, for that one. So I, I don't understand why that had to be thrown in the conversation. Yeah, you know, the, the best thing to do is not do illegal drugs. If you don't know what you're putting in your body, the best thing is don't do it. And some Man. people may say that's being naive. No, that's <laughs> the ideal here, and I don't think that we should be providing any means for kids or for anybody 
to put themselves at jeopardy by providing an instrument that would enable them to do so. What a concept. What a concept. If you don't know what's in it, then you probably shouldn't take it instead of just being like, all right, well, it's going to be safe as long as you get it tested for this crazy, crazy dangerous thing that the cartels are bringing up in mass. Uh, good news is we got a few of those dealers off the streets this week, I guess, with Wichita police and uh, collecting nearly a thousand fentanyl pills. Renee, I mean, that's scary thinking that that much stuff and that's just a couple dealers in the area and trying to get those off the streets. That's awesome. But that's a scary thought of how bad that uh, that pandemic is here in the state. Oh, it's extremely scary. And parents, know what your kids are doing, know what they're doing online, um, encourage them, teach them. The stakes have never been higher. Yeah. Um, no pun intended, that we uh, make sure kids aren't taking illegal drugs. That's what it's about. Renee Erickson, State Senator for District 30, Senate Assistant Majority Leader as well. It's always good to talk to you, Renee. We're out of time. But keep up the fight. I love the fact that you're helping all these campaigns. I am optimistic about this election in November. And let's bring a Republican governor, Republican Secretary of State, Republican Attorney General, and a massive, strong, conservative Republican legislature into the uh, into Topeka later this year. What do you say? Absolutely. And Andy, I would just say, even if your candidate didn't win in the primary, remember, any of the Republicans on our slate are far better than any Democrat. So get behind the Republicans and let's bring this home in November. That's what I'm talking about. Renee, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Have a great weekend. Let's chat again here real soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. You too. Always a pleasure. That's Renee Erickson, state senator right there for district number 30. All right, we'll shift gears here real quick. We have our chat with the AARP we'll get to in a second as we wrap up our Number one. Also, we have some calls on the line at 316-721-8255. We'll get to you in just a minute as well. Let's talk about there, right? A lot of things to break down, so we'll do all that and more coming up here momentarily. But right now, we'll shift gears and do our weekly chat with the AARP. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also, find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line today. Glenda, how are you? I am doing well today, Andy, and how are you? Doing great. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about Thank scams you. and the Fraud Watch Network, which is a huge network that you guys have with the AARP, trying to keep people safe from all those scams that are going on out there. But let's talk about employment scams. This is the time of year where people may be moving or maybe trying to settle in and trying to find new jobs or trying to start something over. But employment scams, as we find more resources to try and find jobs, there's also more resources to try and scam you with jobs. Talk about what's going on. Absolutely, Andy. You know, when it comes to the labor market, the supply of jobs is really outpacing the demand, but that really doesn't mean that employment scams have gone away, so we still need to be aware. With many workers looking for a side hustle or especially with the holidays coming up to help make ends meet, there's still enough potential victims out there to fuel these types of schemes. So there are a couple things that you need to know um, that will help you to avoid these employment-type scams. Uh, number one, you should be aware of any job postings that offer a large income with little to no training or experience. You know, you will see that. Uh, business offers that are guaranteed to pay off quickly or double your in investments, that's highly suspicious. And lastly, any job offer which requires you to pay in advance for a certification, a training, or materials. Those are some of the things that you really need to be aware of and think about. They are uh warning signs for employment-type scams. It is scary. I mean, if you're trying to level yes. up and trying to apply to different things, I mean, for them to get your uh, – that's the most vulnerable, I think, because you're giving out personal information, applying for jobs, and if it gets into the wrong yes. hands, that could be pretty dangerous. 
It can be very dangerous. It can be very dangerous. And another thing is that, you know, a lot of us are, are really, uh, you'll see the jobs that are work at work from home. And that's very uh, enc- uh, encouraging. And But it's really something people need to be particularly uh, careful about uh, because before accepting any work from home position, you should really research that company and make sure it's a legitimate one. Uh, as people do look for that option, that is something that's easily to be kind of scammed into. So, yeah, that's another thing to be aware of. But we really want, you know, as you always say, for people to uh, know that we have a Fraud Watch Network, which is a free resource that will help you learn how to spot these scams. And that's what we really want people to focus on. Sure, absolutely. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, going out of your way and looking to the company uh, by Googling it or trying to go to the proper yes. website and verifying everything is such an important thing because if you just click on a lot of the links, then uh, a lot of times they have a website that could look very similar but may not be the right one, correct? That's absolutely true. Absolutely correct, yes. Wow. So That's... research it and be sure it's the legitimate company that you are looking for and yeah. wanting to apply for. That is very scary. Uh, at what point do you feel comfortable, do you think, actually giving out that personal information, maybe your social security number or your driver's uh, driver's license information when you are going through that application process? You know, I think that uh, at some point when you do a job application, there's initial response back to you. I think uh, that says it's that uh, your uh, application has been accepted or to provide more information. I think that that could be a potential time that you would want to do that. But if you've even reached out to the company, confirmed that you know they have the openings, I think there's just a number of ways that you can go about being sure that these are really good um, offers for, for jobs. And contacting the companies themselves is probably another one that's really a good thing to do. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I know that we're a little early on this one, but I do want to start putting it and individuals' heads as well as we talk about other issues. But uh, enrollment for Medicare coming up here relatively soon. Medicare, Medicaid, that's coming up soon, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so people should certainly be on the um, lookout for that and also being sure, again, that you are getting the, um, the correct information as you prepare to enroll for that, for your uh, new Medicare and any other uh, insurance options that you're looking at. Sure, absolutely. We got just a couple minutes here left with uh, Glenda with AARP. But what else is going on with the AARP? I know you guys have some virtual stuff coming up as well. Uh, maybe some concerts, some info that's going out there. What are you guys working on? Yes, for one thing, in reference to fraud, we do have our Fraud Watch uh, Friday um, event that's coming up on Facebook this Friday at 10 a.m. So we want people to go out to our Facebook page and look for and in, and uh, look for that. The other thing is that we have concerts that are coming up on Friday evenings at uh, 6.30. So look for that also by going to our Facebook page and just looking for events and joining us in our virtual activities. So many great events. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Make sure to find them, follow them on social media as well. Glenda, we always appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. We will. Thank you so much, Andy. You take care. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hour number two already here. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day. Wichita's number one local conservative talk radio program. The way we kill it every single day. We love you to death. 
Appreciate you very, very much. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the show, I would love to hear from you. We have some calls on the line. We have our guest we'll get to here in just a second as well. Great hour number one. Thanks again to Renee Erickson, State Senator, coming on the program. Interesting conversation about the fentanyl drug strip, the decriminalization of the marriage of Juana here in the Wichita area by our very left-wing activist of a mayor. We'll talk some more about that and get your thoughts on it here in just a little bit. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we'll go back to the statewide level, talk with Brenda Landwehr, state representative here in the Wichita area as well. We'll get her thoughts on the campaign. We'll talk about the legislative session coming up for 2023 and more next week. Just to give you a heads up, we go back to some county issues. We'll talk with Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell on the show, along with Derek Schmidt, obviously Attorney General and candidate for governor. So we'll do that next week. Make sure to stay tuned in for that. Really, from like now until Election Day, we're going to be talking with candidates and talking about elections and talking about the issues going on in the state regarding the elections and how crazy some of these candidates are, especially with Laura Kelly. I have to laugh. I have to laugh. I didn't get to actually see the debate at the state fair last week with her and Derek Schmidt. Although, of course, now you got to put it into perspective. In a a debate like that at a state fair with a whole bunch of people around it is not to actually get any type of substance out. It's really to rally your crowd. That's the whole purpose is to get a zinger, to be really witty and quick on your feet, to get your crowd to be hooting and hollering, to the catchy names and the catchy yelling and the whatever. That's the type of debate that is. There's no substance. There will be other opportunities for substance. But what I found interesting was that even during her ads, Governor Kelly has been running on trying to defend her decisions during the COVID-19 pandemic and trying to praise herself and patting herself on the back for the getting rid of sales tax on food when, sorry. It is totally absurd. It is totally absurd. You vetoed it how many times prior to and you fought it left and right as a state senator for the 30 years prior. So, sorry. You are fake news. I'm just throwing that out there. Before we get to our guest, we have had a caller that's been on the line for a while. So let's go right to it here with Frederick. Frederick, good morning, sir. How are you, my friend? I am just fine, thank you. And you're going to be having a candidate for Sedgwick County Commission on, aren't you? I am. He is on the line, ready, queued up, ready to go. That's beautiful. I hope he wins. You know, I I did watch the county commission meeting uh, this past Wednesday. And uh, poor Lacey Cruz, she's on an island all by herself (laughs) because she has literally burned every bridge there ever was to any county employee there. She has just... Mm -hmm lambasted on um, even poor even poor old sarah lopez i mean sarah lopez was what supposed to be her buddy and she just this lacy cruz lady just tore into sarah lopez and although i don't believe in anything i don't really believe in a lot of what sarah lopez believes in sure. she is a very decent young lady and she holds her head high and she she is a respectable young lady okay and for, and for and for Lacey Cruz to come in and 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 what about you know Tom Stoltz? She went after him, and she also went after uh, uh, Dennis uh, David, David Dennis. You know? uh, David Dennis. Yeah, it sounds like I mean she is in the self-destruct mode right now, which we're going to talk about in a second with our next guest. Uh, but yet she is in self-destruct mode, and you know you, when you get that rabid dog that's backed into a corner. All they know how to do is fight and be vicious and angry because that's all they know what to do. They don't know how to actually lick their own wounds and try and heal it and try and move forward and forget all about it. But instead, they double down. And she is in her self-destruct mode. It is 
not take anything for granted by any way, shape, or form, because I know that Ryan Beatty's going to be working hard to try and win in, in campaign as if he's 10 points behind, but she is shooting herself in the foot, and it's not hurting anybody but her, and I don't think she recognizes that. The deal of it is, if she, if by chance she does get in again, she's still going to be on that island. Yeah. I mean, she's not going to have any friends. Yeah, she's not going to be and productive. I do hope that, no, I do hope that your next, next guest wins. I really, really do, and I am rooting for him, and I know a lot of people that are rooting for him. And so anyway, um, Andy, uh, oh, by the way, I, I think you are on Armed America Radio this past week, and you sounded good. Well, I appreciate that. It's always fun to join Mark on on his show, and we're still working on because his second hour that he's extended, he's got a second hour now, and that's the same time as my program live during the week for our national broadcast. We're trying to find a way to sync the two up for at least a segment and do it about once a month and sync up sync up together and kind of co-host each other and, and have some fun. So we're working on the logistics on how to make that happen, but that is a work in progress, and it's always good to join Mark Walters on his national broadcast with Armed American Radio. Frederick, I appreciate that very much, my friend. Have a great weekend, and uh, we appreciate you. I want to get right into our guests here. Let's do some election coverage. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Elections 2022. Now, Ryan Beatty himself, candidate for Sedgwick County Commission, will be on here in a couple of weeks as he's busy today doing some walking. He's a busy guy. He's always around. But I wanted to talk about this Lacey Cruz issue. I wanted to talk about some issues with the Sedgwick County and get an update from the campaign itself. So who better than go to the next man there with the campaign manager for Ryan Beatty? Excited to have on the program here on Candace Talk, Mr. Ben Davis. Ben, how are you, brother? Uh, good. Thanks, Andy. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it is good to chat with you. First off, I got to ask you, being the campaign manager, how is the campaign going so far? I mean, obviously, as we just kind of teased a little bit, Lacey Cruz is in a bit of a self-destruct mode, but uh, at least that should give you guys a little bit of optimism, right? <laughs> yes, the, the campaign is going exceptionally well. You would expect the campaign manager to, to, to always say that the campaign is going well, but I, I can't imagine saying that it could go any better than what it is. Uh, the community support has been um, unexpected, I mean, in terms of just the, the level of it. I mean, we've got a lot of people who were once supporting Lacey who were even ardent Lacey supporters who are now supporting us, mm. uh, in addition to so many others across District 4 and around the community. Uh, so there was a, kind of an unprecedented level of uh, a wave of support that we've received right out of the gate. It continues to grow. Um, we've got community leaders, business leaders, uh, elected Obviously, just our own constituents within District 4 um, who are fed up and they're ready for a change and they're ready to actually have a, a, a clear voice at the table, uh, which Lacey has denied them uh, with all of her mess. And so they are they're, they're ready to make a change and they see a very clear path forward with Ryan Beatty. So we are happy with where we are. Um, there's a lot of work that's been done, a lot of work left to do. Um, we're walking doors like crazy, meeting voters, meeting constituents. Ryan's had at least a couple hundred meetings with uh, community leaders, people within District 4, around the Wichita area. Uh, he, he really has done a tremendous job of building bridges, uh, articulating uh, ideas and leadership, uh, a pathway forward for this, for this community. Um, and so we couldn't be more pleased with where things are, but we're going to continue to run hard to the finish line. Uh, you know, as we come down to the last 40, 45 days before Election Day, that's that's really where uh, a, a lot of work has to be done. Uh, and like you said before, we're, we're running as if we're 20 yards behind behind the play. So, I mean, we're, we're ready to go. 
Um, there's a lot of energy, a lot of momentum, but uh, we, we still have a lot of work left to do. But we are sure. hopeful and uh, uh, that um, we're going to cross the finish line with a win, and uh, it's, it's going to be good. I am optimistic. That was a bit of a hit when we transitioned from a Richard Ranzaw seat to a Lacey Cruz seat. That really went from one polar opposite to the other, and uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system. And Ryan, being a business owner, you guys being the solid conservatives that you are, and and, and trying to bring that back to common sense, I think is what's needed. Like you said, I mean, even after the scandals, but even prior to that, a lot of the small businesses, from what it sounds like within that district, we're just fed up with Lacey because I've said it many times before, she's an ideologue. She's a purist. And when you're trying to bring purist ideologue philosophies to a local position and then end up screwing over a local business, that doesn't fare well for your constituents and you're not going to last very long. That's exactly right. She, she, In her core, she's an activist. Uh, she's been an activist. She kind of made a little name for herself back, I think it was in 2017, when she helped lead and organize the Women's March. Um, and she's just never been able to get away from the activist impulse. Uh, and so she's never been able to pivot to actually governing, uh, to actually building coalitions, to working with other people to accomplish things on behalf of not only her constituents, uh, but the people of Cedric County. And so not only has it hurt her, but she's the representative of District 4. And so ultimately, it's her, her constituents. She's denied them a place at the table. She's denied them a voice. Uh, in Cedric County. She's denied them um, an advancement forward for a lot of different issues, mental health, economic development, all of these things. Um, she just can't understand what it means to, to represent people and to represent a lot of people uh, in the district to be able to move the ball forward for them. Uh, yeah, it was a hit uh, in 2018 when we lost Richard, uh, but we are, we are hopeful that we are going to regain that seat uh, that we're going to restore a real sense of integrity uh, back to District 4 um, and that we're going to have a proven leader in there who can actually get some things done because there's a lot of issues facing not only District 4 but Sedgwick County. Ryan understands them. He has the relational capital. He has the leadership capital. He has the intellectual capital uh, to get some things done on, on behalf of this community. We're excited about that. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, I think a lot of this, I think the latest scandals that I want to get to here in a second with Lacey have really exposed a lot of it, but I think a lot of the upsetness with her district and a lot of business owners and constituents really came around the COVID-19 pandemic because I think she still is out there trying to defend the massive lockdowns and saying that your small mom-and-pop shop is a non-essential business. And I think that, uh, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on it, but I mean, do you think that was really the line for a lot of business owners in that area to say, wait a second, if you don't value us, then why the hell are you representing us? Absolutely. Absolutely. She still stands by her vote uh, that she was just following the science uh, to lock down businesses and, and, and others. Uh, you know, part of the irony uh, it is for Lacey is that she claims to care so much about issues of mental health. Uh, but now, as we see all of the studies that have come out uh, across the board from elderly, young people, uh, the lockdowns were one of the largest uh, uh, kind of agents for the mental health crisis that we're in. And she still stands by all of that, uh, not to mention the amount of economic harm, uh, all of the businesses that were shuttered. I mean, just think about all the businesses that never recovered from that. That were doing seemingly well, but were never able to open their doors back up. Uh, it doesn't seem to affect her. She doesn't care. She's going to continue to stand by that. Um, and so we can't risk that again. She got a taste for that kind of power. She would be more than willing to do that again. Uh, I think what we dealt with a couple of months ago, uh, right there in her district, around the corner from her, was a quick trip that had been uh, right there on Broadway. 
uh, that basically had become like a makeshift homeless shelter. Uh, there were safety concerns, all kinds of things, and they decided to to shut their doors and, and move on. They just it wasn't sustainable anymore. And so rather than trying to find solutions, rather than thanking them for all the work they had done, she went out and she attacked them. Uh, yeah. Jumpstart, thankfully, a local business uh, got in there and they've opened their doors. And she really wasn't able to work with them either. She just continued to attack them. Uh, so she, she's not a friend of local business in this community at all. Um, one of the jobs of a county commissioner is to promote economic development. So in addition to the lockdowns uh, that she instituted, she's not been a promoter of get businesses getting relaunched or bringing economic development back into this community, which give her constituents jobs. If you go back and you look at the county page, just even over the last few months, um, where you've had multiple businesses come into Wichita or they've gotten uh, – they've really kind of advanced in the community or they, they've had success. You see all of the other county commissioners there to celebrate them, to promote them, uh, really trying to, to, to show their support. Lacey's nowhere to be found. She calls those things basic photo ops and thinks that the real work is, is off doing other things like activism instead of celebrating and promoting uh, success when it happens in this community with businesses. So it's a whole, it's a whole uh, uh, kind of a comprehensive thing with her from started with lockdowns and, and, and continues to be perpetuated by the fact that she simply does not understand how businesses work. She's not there to celebrate them. Uh, she doesn't know economic development. I don't even think she knows how the mill levy runs to collect taxes. I mean, there still seems to be some confusion with her on that. Uh, so, I mean, it really is just a, a kind of a policy mess with her uh, and understanding what her role is on the county commission and how that uh, how that ends up affecting this community and her constituents. That is unfortunate, the fact that they don't know what they're doing in that leadership position. We're talking with Ben Davis, campaign manager for Ryan Beatty. Ryan Beatty running for Sedgwick County Commission District 4, which you can find online at ryanbeatty.com. Let's talk about the latest scandals with Lacey Cruz. Talk about the latest that's been in the news my big question is, why have the county commissioners not come down as hard as they need to on her and cut her off from certain things or or at least come out and give her a slap on the wrist harder than what they have? I know that uh, we're concerned about you know political tactics or making it look bad as a PR stunt, but at the same time, she's doing some really bad things that her district is absolutely fed up with. The county needs to come down on her hard for the things that she's doing right now. Why aren't we seeing the repercussions as we need to? That's, that's really the, the million-dollar question in all this, and, and I, I've continued to be disappointed uh, with what we have uh, – the lack of action that we have seen. Uh, because if it would be either one – any of those other commissioners up there, if they had done even a fraction of what Lacey has pulled, uh, their head would be on the chopping block. Uh, instead, they continue to coddle her. They continue to give her a free pass. I, I honestly don't know why. I don't know if it's – uh, they're worried about the optics of, of their own races or what it might look like, or they're, they're, they're scared of her. I, I'm not quite sure what the reasoning is, uh, but the story needs to be told about what Lacey Cruz has done. There needs to be real action taken against her. Actually, I was kind of surprised to see that the Eagle ran a story last week when this whole thing came down from the county commission meeting, and they did this. I don't know if it was intentional, but they did kind of this juxtaposition uh, between how the commission reacted to Michael O'Donnell a few years ago when they censured him uh, compared to how they reacted to Lacey uh, when she's now gotten kicked out of bars for using racial slurs. Um, she's accused uh, Tom Stoltz and county staff of being corrupt and doing backdoor deals. She has no evidence of any of this. Um, she's torn down all of these relationships and sown seeds of doubt into the minds of the community about their own county staff and government. Um, but yet she continues to get a free pass. Um, it's very toothless. 
little PRs that people are doing about her uh, with no real action. Uh, and it, it's really disappointing. And, and it, it leaves one to wonder what's it going to take before the county commission uh, finally decides to say enough is enough, Lacey. It's time for you to be censured. Not only that, but it's time for you to resign. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating because she's been just uh, lashing out at everybody. I mean, like like we mentioned a little bit earlier as well with Sarah Lopez, even that was supposed to be her buddy, buddy. She's lashing out against her, Tom Stoltz. I mean, she's she's really going on a vicious rampage against everybody, and it doesn't look good. She can't work with anybody right now. And even if she does get elected, God forbid, then she's going to be out on that island on her own, and she's going to be an extremely unproductive elected official. That's exactly right. Uh, Ryan and I like to say that if Lacey came up with a cure for cancer, she wouldn't get an approval vote on the county commission. Uh, it, she, she, she has completely ruined all relationships with her colleagues, uh, including maybe even especially uh, Commissioner Lopez, um, who, who I guess technically on her side, on her team. Sure. Uh, she's completely ruined relationships with the county staff. Uh, we've got great county staff. Tom Stoltz is, 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 is a good man. Uh, there's a lot of great people there that are trying to do the right thing on behalf of the county. Uh, she's, she's ruined all those relationships. And that's not even to talk about all the relationships that she's ruined within the community, uh, in the mental health world, in the business community, nonprofit. Um, she, she, she is completely hamstrung herself. She can get nothing accomplished now or, like you said, God forbid, she gets reelected uh, in the future. Uh, all of those relationships are gone, and she has made no effort at all to try to uh, heal them or bridge the gap in any in any way, shape, or form, which, again, is not just harmful, I guess, to her personally. Ultimately, it's harmful to District 4, to her constituents, yeah. because that means that they no longer have a voice. They no longer have an advocate at the table really representing them. Uh, and, and trying to get uh, accomplish the, the, the needs that are in this community. And this is why Ryan Beatty needs to be elected to county commission for District 4, uh, because he will automatically bring the credibility, the relational capital, uh, the leadership capital to begin to advocate and represent those people well. There it is. It is RyanBeatty.com is the website. Go and check it out. Candidate for District Number 4 for Sedgwick County Commission, Ben Davis, campaign manager for Ryan. Ben, it's great to have you on the program, my friend. We're out of time. I'm glad things are going well with the campaign. Uh, it sounds like Lacey's almost helping you guys, which I think is good news. Let's get her out of there. Let's get Ryan in, and let's get some common sense back on that uh, county commission. What do you say? Absolutely. I I'm going to quote Cousin Eddie on this. She's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so as long as she keeps doing that, uh, things are looking up for us. Uh, we're excited. Uh, anybody listening, everybody listening, go vote Beatty uh, November 8th for District 4 County Commission. Uh, let's move this community forward. We're, we're excited to do that. Ryan's excited to do that. And uh, let's get Lacey out of there. Let's get Lacey out of there. Ben, I appreciate it, my friend. Let's get Ryan on the show here here real soon as we get closer to the campaign. We'll do it. Hey, thanks, Andy. Appreciate your time. Hey, appreciate it very much. And again, it was Ben Davis, campaign manager for Ryan Beatty, and we appreciate his time very much. Interesting stuff. Things going on with the county. Let's get things back on track here and get some common sense going again. All right, we'll take a quick break. We have our bottom of the hour news in a little bit here. When we come back as well, wrapping up for the last half hour on the home stretch, we'll have Brenda Landwehr, state representative, to join and talk about the campaigns and what's going on in the legislature as well. Big stuff going on all right here on Kansas Talk, here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier 
on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Darn right there is only one. What was that movie? The Highlander? There can be only one. Welcome back in Wichita's number one local conservative talk radio show by a long shot right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on the home stretch here, last half hour. Michael Brown with The Weekend coming up on KQAM at 11 o'clock. Make sure to stay tuned in for that. Boy, we've had a heck of a show today. A lot of things going on. Renee Erickson, state senator, last hour. We just uh, got off the phone with Ben Davis, campaign manager for Ryan Beatty, who's running for Sedgwick County Commission against Lacey Cruz. <laughs> that disaster. So that's fun to watch. We'll see how that campaign goes going into November as well. But I want to keep the ball rolling as we continue with our election coverage. And let's go right next to our next favorite candidate. I love chatting with her. It's been way too long since we've had her on the show. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. And excited to have back on the program with us here, State Representative Brenda Landwehr. Brenda, how are you today? Oh, Andy, I I couldn't be better. The sun's shining out there. It's a gorgeous day and a little bit windy, but hey, it's Kansas. So thank you for having me. It is always good to chat with you. I am excited. I think hopefully, knock on wood, we're in the middle of September. This could be the last weekend where we could see 90 degree weather. Maybe we can get back down into the 60s and 70s and I would be so happy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not sure I would. <laughs> See, honestly. You know, kind of in between there. I'm the, good. The time in between. There. See, honestly, I'm excited for <laughs> wintertime when it's 40 degrees and I can wear my shorts and T-shirt every day. Uh, that exhilarates me because it, after anything above 70, I get lethargic and tired and I have zero energy. I can't function. Oh, no, no, no. I love being in the outdoors and. And uh, so I enjoy this time of year. Uh, it's always good. I love it. Well, it's going to start cooling off here uh, soon. Brenda, it is so good to talk to you. It's a, It's been too long since we've had you on the show, but I know you are obviously geared up for election season. How's the campaign going so far? Well, you know, we're out there, uh, you know, visiting with the folks, and the, re- the response has been very, very positive. I love the people of the 105th District, so. Yeah. I'm uh, honored to have the opportunity to represent them. I know that you have been one the Democrats have tried to come after in years past i mean you've been there for for a while and they always try to come after you but man with some of the redistricting changes some of the refocus here in the wichita area i i sense that democrats are kind of desperate right now because they have such a minority in the legislature that i don't know if they know how to try and pick apart certain districts around the state <laughs> well they're they're giving it their all because they uh, want to take away the super majority we have that has allowed us to do to override vetoes of Laura Kelly. It was pretty exciting one day when we uh, overrode Laura Kelly nine times. Yeah, wow. Wow. And that's so, from, that's coming from the governor that said that she's not a veto governor, right? Uh, yeah, she says a lot of things that aren't necessarily <laughs> true. So, you know, as the people said at the uh, debate out at the fair last Saturday, lockdown Laura. Yeah, that boggles my mind. Now, I didn't get to see the debate. I was still on the air at that time, didn't get to make it up in time. However... The fact that she's running TV ads and she's campaigning and says things at the debates where she's defending her COVID response, which I said the entire during the entire pandemic, I got back into Kansas right as the lockdown happened, literally like three days before she locked everything down during spring break in 2020 is when we moved back. She still defends the reactionary, the emotional responses that she had, calling businesses non-essential, the mask mandates that were completely absurd, the borderline vaccine mandates that she tried to go after. Like, she was a disaster during the pandemic, but yet that's going to be her big parade is what she's campaigning on? I I don't get that. Well, she forgets all the businesses that, uh, you know, small businesses that had to close 
because they couldn't survive uh, the lockdown. It was okay to have the uh, the large box stores, and, and I don't begrudge the box stores. Business is business, uh, but they were open. Uh, you know, she tried to shut down the churches. We took her to court on that, and we won in that battle there. But I guess if you went to Lowe's or to Walmart, you could have had church back in the plumbing section, and you couldn't get COVID, I guess. But yeah. if you went to church, it, I mean, it was just a bad deal. She wasn't listening to the experts. She was making knee-jerk reactions and just, you know, forcing things on people that without really taking and doing her homework. Yeah, that is very true. The other campaign issue, which I'm sure you know very, very well up there is, I mean, prior to being governor, she was a state senator for, what, 20, 30 years. She's been up there for a while as well. She's campaigning on patting herself on the back for axing the tax, stalking people in the grocery (laughs) store with an axe, and talking about trying to get rid of that, which, cool, that's great. I'm glad she finally got on board. She vetoed that multiple times as a governor, and she stopped it multiple times as a state senator, didn't she? She absolutely did, and here it's just like Derek Schmidt, who is our candidate for governor, uh, said on Saturday when Pete, when Laura Kelly was upset, saying, "Hey, we could have if they'd have done my plan and been at zero for food sales tax." Well, guess what? We could have been at zero today if she hadn't have vetoed the yeah. sales tax on food a few years back. It is unfortunate. We're talking with Brenda Landwehr, State Representative for District 105 here in the Wichita area. Your thoughts from on the ground as you're knocking doors, talking to people, not just with your district, but just in general. What have been kind of the topics that people have brought up as you're talking to constituents right now? Is it the economy and taxes? Is it, you know, Donald Trump and the national stuff? What have you been hearing on the streets? Well, economy is a big deal because with the uh, with where inflation is taking things, you know, we've got a lot of retirees in Kansas. And, you know, they're relying on their pensions for their incomes, and those are taking hits right now. Uh, so they're, they're really worried. The, you know, people worry about our low income. So when you, when you, can, you can imagine what's happening with the low-income people, well, the middle-income people are being hit very, very hard right now. Uh, you know, gas prices being off the charts. I know people got excited when it went from almost 5 down to $3.5. Well, it's still not where it was here, a, you know, a few years ago. So... Uh, the economy is a big deal. They want their taxes down. They're not happy with the uh, high increase in the property taxes uh, on their properties. And I think, you know, those are kind of false uh, increases because right now, you know, we've seen such a shortage for homes in, in the market that it escalated a lot of prices. We had homes selling for above asking price. I mean, there were bidding wars out there, Andy. Yeah. Uh, so those are kind of the big things. Uh, there's still some discussion, you know, on the abortion issue because uh, even the the value them both was not uh, about banning abortion. Um, Laura Kelly made it very clear that she's very happy to continue her stand on uh, dismemberment, abortion, and abortion up to the time of of uh, delivery. Sure. Uh, so that is a, an issue that we have out there. So that one's still part of the discussion. Uh, education for our, our children. People are really concerned about that. You know, Kansas ranking down there at, you know, number 34 in the country for the education. We still have kids that uh, that are not reading and doing math at grade level. And, you know, if you can't read and you can't do math, it's hard to do any job out there, Andy. Yeah. I mean, you and, can't get a ground uh, up anywhere. Yeah. Oh, no. And we've put hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, new money into education, and we're just not seeing the benefit. And they continue with you know, more excuses, more excuses, more excuses as to why this isn't happening. Uh, so, but you know, I thought the governor was the uh, was the education governor. She was going to solve all that. 
Well, her solution is just to put more money into it, not to really find out what is the what is the problem. How do we come in here and fix things? Why can't we come in and make sure that our kids can read at third grade level? Yeah, it is but no, we just keep passing kids along, and they can't read and they can't do math, Andy. It's and so that was one of the things, actually, in the the Gannon lawsuit that was filed by school district. The judges came in and talked about the low performing students. But they're all looking at the money. They're not looking at the students. And that's the piece that's being missed in this whole education piece. You're either for the students or you're for the establishment. Well, I'm for the students because I want educated workforce out there. Well, they see them as a number, and that number is the dollar sign on how much. And we've gone in the in the eight years that I've been on the radio here in Wichon, you and I have talked for, throughout these years. We've gone from roughly $9,000 per student, which I've talked to the Candace Policy Institute about, how at that time it was so close to being the same price as going to a private school that was roughly $11,000. And what are we at now? We're at like sixteen dollars or $17,000 a student. And as far as I'm aware, the quality of education has not gotten better. No, we're over, yeah, we're over $16,000, and you can actually get those numbers for people that want to dispute anyone else's numbers. You can go on to the Department of Education website, and there's actually a chart there that will give you the breakdown of all of that and show you what that cost is per student, and they can see that 16000 number out there. Wow, how brutal. Uh, you mentioned abortion a while ago. Obviously, that uh, the value than both bill was a devastating vote. I honestly was shocked. I thought it was going to be about the same numbers, but in reverse. Uh, we talked with Renee Erickson about it a little bit earlier in the show, but your thoughts on what we can do outside of that and what you guys can do as the legislature? Because now I have an inkling, now that that was shot down, and what essentially that means is that they reaffirmed the Supreme Court's ruling that that is a quote-unquote guaranteed right by our state constitution, which is not, but that's essentially what we said with that vote. I have a feeling that any type of restriction, any type of limitation that we have in the state is going to be challenged in court and potentially reversed to where, like you said, the governor uh, uh, promoting it uh, with abortion all the way up into the time of delivery how do we stop that? And can we do anything from the legislature side without the Supreme Court blocking you guys? Well, I think that, you know, we're just we're going to have to see what it is that they do, because, you know, during the, the uh, discussion on value them both, there was talk about, well, we've already got regulations and we're fine with those regulations. Well, we're going to find out that they are not fine with those regulations and we will do everything within our powers to make sure that. You know, if abortions are going to be performed in Kansas, that they are safe and they're done in clean facilities and that women don't die in Kansas having an abortion. Yeah, it is unfortunate. You've been focusing a lot on mental health issues the last few years, and we've made a lot of ground, I think, on mental health, at least awareness and making people more aware of it. But uh, any legislation coming up, anything you've been working on or talking about going into the new session for 2023, focusing on mental health here in the state? Oh, my gosh, Andy, I tell you what, we got this uh Last year, we were able to put into place the new three-digit number for uh, mental health services and yeah. crisis, and that's the 988. So if someone's uh, you know, needing help, they know someone needs help, you call 988, and you are on the line with a uh, behavioral health specialist. And if you're in a crisis position, they can send a crisis team out to you, but uh, we are required with that line to actually get services out to individuals, and that's a very exciting thing, I think, for Kansas. Uh, last year, we put into place what we refer to, and it's a, an acronym, and it's CCBHCs, which is our uh, Community Behavioral Health Centers, and it's the largest change in mental health services in Kansas in the last 30 years. So wow. uh, 
The only problem we're running into, just like in anywhere else, Andy, is a shortage of workforce. Yeah. So we're looking at trying to, you know, get more people in the behavioral health services. But it's very exciting to do the work that we've done in the K to 12 mental health program that we put into our schools to make sure that children and their families can get services even when schools are closed 24/7, 365 days a year. Sure. Because during COVID. You know, we had the mental health crisis before that, but it escalated during COVID, and we have not gotten out of it. Plus, you know, people are kind of removing that stigmatism a little bit and saying, "Hey, it's okay for me to ask for help." Yeah, and that that's a good thing. And I don't, and people should not be afraid to reach out. Don't worry about, well, will my neighbors find out? No, you've got a problem. Reach out and get help. Amen to that. I'm glad we're focusing on that. Is there any tie in your mind from the mental health issues, especially with the younger individuals that we have right now, and the link to what we had talked about earlier in the program with some of the drugs here in the Wichita area, the fentanyl programs and the, or the fentanyl issues that we're seeing? Is there a link right now between the massive boost in fentanyl and some of the mental health and depression issues right now? Well, anytime, nine times out of 10, when you are dealing with an individual that has mental health issues, there's usually a substance abuse, whether it's with alcohol or it's prescription drugs or it's illegal drugs. Yeah. And we know that the, the fentanyl is on the, the rise. I believe that they just had a capture of three wholesalers yeah. uh, in, the, in the Wichita market of fentanyl. The dangerous thing that we're dealing with out there is for many of uh, the illegal drugs to be laced with fentanyl, and you don't know what level your body can handle with fentanyl because it's a very, very potent drug, and it does kill. Uh, we, we ran legislation last year uh, to make uh, fentanyl testing strips legal. Right now they are considered drug paraphernalia, but the Senate stopped that because they kind of related the fentanyl testing strips as handing people needles in a park. Well, we weren't paying for the fentanyl strips. It just meant that, you know, if you're going to take it, you better te- te- test that pill before you take it and find out what it is you're taking if you're going to do it. Yeah, I know they focus on that here in the in the Wichita City area as well that we were just talking about with the decriminalization of marijuana and then those fentanyl testing strips. It's I found it just a strange bill because, first off, I mean, the city, I mean, I guess that's how they started legalizing <laughs> it in Colorado was the, the decriminalization of pot there. But, you know, that's that's a side of a point. But then the fentanyl testing strip, I just I don't understand where that came from when we're trying to stop the fentanyl, but then handing them out uh, for individuals when I, it's just a, it's an odd scenario, I think, right now in the city. Well, and I think what the city did is going to create a lot of unnecessary problems. Uh, you can't patchwork this. In fact, even the Democrat candidate for attorney general come out and told the city, this is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> You're creating a bigger problem for law enforcement. Because think about it, Andy, when you drive Wichita, do you know when you cross over into Valley Center or Mays or Goddard or Derby or Augusta or Andover, do you pay attention to where those borders are? No, you don't. Yeah. Second of all, how did you get that that marijuana into the city of Wichita if you didn't transport it illegally? Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, this is a state issue, and there is a committee that the legislature formed uh, that is studying it while we are out of session at this time, because the House did pass uh, medical marijuana here this uh, last year. So uh, they're taking a serious look at it and trying to decide what to do with, but they to do with it it belongs technically it belongs on the federal level right the feds need to make a decision because banks cannot accept the money because it's federally illegal 
the only ones that can accept the money are credit unions, and we don't have necessarily enough of those to handle that money. Sure. So it's a cash business. Well, you know what happens with cash businesses, so that's enough said right there. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's an entire mess, and I, I think whether people want to legalize or not legalize marijuana, both on the recreational or the medicinal, I mean, it's got to be addressed in some way, shape, or form here in Kansas, as I mentioned before. I mean, we're surrounded by it with Colorado, Oklahoma, and Missouri, and at some point it's going to have to be addressed one way or another. Um, because, I mean, we're, we're kind of sandwiched in between it all. So it's an issue that uh, I really hope the Senate does take take up in this next session as well. Last question before we let you go. It's Brenda Landwehr, State Representative for District 105. Uh, as you go out about on the campaign trail and talk about some of these issues, uh, did the redistricting affect your district at all, or uh, are, are you pretty, pretty much the same? No, actually, I stayed. Uh, my district stayed the same. Okay. Uh, we were hoping to pick up a new district down here in Sedgwick County, but because we didn't know what legislators were going to retire, we the excess numbers that we had in the Sedgwick County area ended up taking care of Western Kansas and South Central because we did have a lot of uh, districts that had to shed mm. constituents because they had had so much growth because we maintain about 22,000 constituents in a house district. Sure. Uh, so, no, my district stayed the same because I'm kind of, you know, in a landlocked type of a, an area but that doesn't mean it won't change in 10 years from now so yeah you never know well it's going to be interesting uh in the redistricting are you optimistic about it being going further to republicans or is it going to kind of water down some districts well i think it you know it was a pretty it was a pretty fair map i mean we actually did that 10 years ago but unfortunately we had a senate that didn't want to pass maps so yeah. um you know, I think we'll come back in and still have our super majority that we've had for the last several years. And as far as Republicans to, uh, you know, hold any governor, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat governor, uh, you know, to what the legislature passed. That's what it's all about. Brenda Landwehr, State Representative, District 105. Brenda, we love you. You keep up the fight out there. We need to get the individuals helping you out on the campaign trail as well. And uh, let's have some fun this 2023 legislative session. Well, thank you, Andy, and I just want to say thank you for what you do because you're always good about getting the word out, so we appreciate you a lot, too. Thank well, you. Well, I appreciate it. That's what we're here to do, and we're going to continue to yell and scream and throw a fit and raise our you know, raise our voices until they pay attention <laughs> to us and throw tomatoes at us or something because it's, it, it's bound to happen at some point. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Andy. Always a pleasure, Brenda. We appreciate that very much. That's Brenda Landwehr, State Representative. We'll take a break. We'll wrap up the show today for a Saturday right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. the program we got just about two minutes left here of the show always thanks for hanging out with us today we got some calls on the line so let's try and cram a couple in before we wrap up for the day line number one good morning who's this Andy. hey what's going on sir oh. you know what man what you got democrats are aliens from outer space there's your <laughs> aliens mm. it's the movie the John Carpenter movie, They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. I don't remember that one. You got, yeah, you got to watch that movie. It came out in the late 80s. It's got Roddy Piper in it, <clears throat> uh, Keith David. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, they, they discovered that uh, some of their fellow Los Angelinos were uh, aliens from outer space by putting on a 
pair of special glasses, then they could see, you know, through the fake human skin, and they could see all the, like, these suppository messages on billboards and TV and stuff, you know? It makes sense. <laughs> it makes, hey, breaking through breaking through the Matrix, man. I, You know what? I can believe it. I can. There is a theory out there. Put on the tinfoil hat. There is a theory that our globalist leaders that are dominating, controlling the system are all the reptilians from underground. So there you go. I, I It makes sense when you think about the Obamas and the Bidens and the Pelosi's and all the other ones. It, it makes sense. Sean, we're out of time, my friend. Have a great weekend. It's good to talk to you, and I appreciate that very much. Thanks again to Brenda Landwehr coming on the show, along with Ben Davis, along with Renee Erickson. We're back at it again next week. Jim Howell, Sedgwick County Commissioner. He'll talk some more about some of the county issues. At the same time, we'll have Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor, on the show. Got a lineup next week. You're not going to want to miss it every Saturday from 9 to 11, plus our national broadcast of The Voice Reason Monday from 4 to 5 o'clock right here on our flagship on KQM. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.